Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter. So, um, why am I here? So, Marco's voice went out, and I got the call, and it's not good that his voice went out, but I'm always grateful to be able to come visit with you guys here in the South Bay and see old friends and uh, family and just be able to fellowship together. And, you know, hopefully today we'll be encouraged um, by God's Word together. If you could be, open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 24. Today we're going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. waiting for the PowerPoint to work. So in my family, we have this tradition from when I was really young that on Easter morning, we have an Easter egg hunt. Anybody can relate to that? Yeah, we have an Easter egg hunt. So this morning, uh, we, uh, we got up and my wife had put little uh, inside these plastic eggs like clues on how to find the Easter basket. And so Kenzie was over with Kai spending the night and uh, Danny was over with Kalena. And so Kalena and Danny were on one team and Kai and Kenzie were on another. And so they got their first clue and it opened it up and it led them to a place in the house. And they got their second clue inside an egg with some chocolate. And then it led them, and you should have seen how quickly the eggs and the chocolate were dropping. They were going for the next clue for the prize. And then they kept on searching, running around the house. And then eventually they found the prize, which was... You know, obviously chocolate, Easter eggs, um, gift cards, cash, normal stuff that kids get. You know, the Easter eggs at 16 and 11 just aren't as exciting as gift cards and cash, right? But uh, when I was a kid, um, we had this tradition in my family where we would do Easter egg hunts. And I don't know if you did that as well. But when I was really young, I'm saying two or three, we were at my grandparents' house. We'd always go there for Easter. And we were searching for Easter eggs, and being the young competitive guy I was, I wanted to have more Easter eggs than my brothers and sisters. And I, one of the Easter eggs was kind of down this gopher hole. It was right on the edge of it. And when I went to reach for it, it went down into the hole. And I couldn't get it. And being the industrious young lad that I was, I ran over to the side of the house and got the, the garden hose and unrolled it. My grandpa was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm getting this Easter egg. He goes, what are you doing? I'm like, and I take the hose over and I turn it on and I put it down the hole and the Easter egg slowly comes up to the top. And my grandfather was just blown away that I could figure out how to get an Easter egg with a garden hose. But anyway, I'm a little bit competitive. And I don't know why my kids were running around the house so quickly this morning, but they're a little competitive as well. Well, fast forward. We moved to Arizona. I'm in uh, second grade now, and we love to hunt iguanas. I don't know if you've ever seen a desert iguana, but they're fun to catch. If you're a second grader, you know, you want to you catch some iguanas. So we're out, you know, trying to catch iguanas. But one of the things about iguanas is when, when you find them, they have a tendency to run away. And they can run pretty quick. Their tails go up in the air. And generally, they look for holes in the ground. So one of the iguanas happened to go into one of the holes in the ground near my home in Arizona. Close enough to my house that the garden hose would reach. So, in second grade with my neighborhood friends, as we're searching for the iguana, I grab the hose, I stick it down the hole, and I, feel, I turn on the water. And it takes some time this time, because evidently the, the hole structure is greater in Arizona than in Whittier or Glendale. And um, 
so slowly the iguana's head comes out the hole because he doesn't want to drown. And so we caught the iguana. And uh, so I just want you to know when I was a kid, I was a little competitive and I loved to hunt. And as I got older, I loved to fish. And so lately, uh, one of my favorite things to do is kayak fish. And I've been going out with Steve Marucci kayak fishing. Have you guys heard about Steve's kayak fishing adventures? Well, I'm sure they've been embellished. So I'm here to set the record. Steve has caught fish. I have video evidence. I don't, I'm not going to show today that Steve has caught fish before. But Steve has caught fish before. But um, one day we were out at PV and we wanted to go out to the kelp beds to catch white sea bass. So we got all of our gear and everything. And we're going to go out there to go fishing for white sea bass. And the waves were a little big that day. Three to four feet. Steve will say ten to twelve. But they weren't that big. And so I get in my kayak and I launch off the rocks in PV and get out over the waves. And behind me, where Steve is, is the sun's coming over the, the, the hills there at PV. So I can't really see what Steve's doing because the sun is glaring. And I'm out there for a while and uh, I can't see Steve. And I'm out there for a while longer and I'm really looking forward to fish. And I'm getting excited about fishing and I got all my stuff together and I want to leave him. But I don't. So finally, I come in inside the breakers, which is dangerous to do, to see what my buddy Steve is doing. My buddy Steve, I see his uh, booty out in the water, and I see his oar out in the water, and Steve's sitting on the shore. Steve had tried to launch, and he tipped over. And that happens sometimes in kayak fishing. Um, so that day, I, I retrieved his oar, I retrieved his shoe, I came back in. We didn't get to fish that day. So a couple of weeks ago, we're out at Marina Del, right? We got, the, we got the PowerPoint to work. Let's give the guys a hand. Can you go to the second slide? Second slide. There you go. That's, that's my Easter eggs and iguana story, all right? So now you know where we are. We're caught up. But anyway, so we're out there at Marina Del Rey, and Steve is a really rough-looking guy. You know, he's kind of big. He's burly. He's wearing this big old brimmed hat, and we're out there, and we pull up to the dock where the... Um, where you get gas and where you get bait. So there's a lot of other guys mulling around the dock. These are fishermen guys early in the morning, around 6.30 in the morning, right? Fishermen guys getting ready to go out and catch fish. And Steve and I pull up, and Steve, you know, with this hat on and this really high-tech kayak, you know, the paddle kind, the, it's a really cool mirage out back thing. And we pull on up, and I get off my kayak to go get some bait. And there's Steve, and I look back, and he, and he turns around to get something on his boat, and he flips over. And he goes under the water. And literally just gone. You know, Steve's gone. The boat's there upside down. All of his stuff scattered throughout the water. And everybody, all the men on the dock are worried about Steve running over to help save Steve. And I'm cracking up. Because <laughs> I know he's got on a personal flotation device, right? I know he's, he's okay. So he flips over and I help him retrieve his stuff. And one of his shoes came off again. So I retrieved his shoe for him. It's what I do. I, re- I got his oar for him again. And so then we eventually went fishing. But fish- fishing with Steve is such an adventure. Whether or not we catch fish... It is always fun to go out with my buddy Steve, the burly man, Marici. But at any rate, that's just a little bit about, you know, me growing up, love to compete. My kids did get their eggs and Danny got some cash and so all's good in the Kettering home and Steve survived. All's good in the Marici home. Today's Easter and Easter is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And it's very significant. And today I want to talk about the significance of the resurrection and how the resurrection brings about transformation. And we're going to talk about that. um, And we're going to start off here with what Paul said in AD 52. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. 
then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the the Corinthian church, was sharing about how important the resurrection was. And if only this life we have Christianity, but we don't have resurrection afterwards. And if we don't have heaven afterwards, he said, not only do we not have the hope of heaven, we should be pitied, but also we don't have forgiveness of sins. So without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness. Without the resurrection, there's no heaven. I am grateful that not only Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but that he was resurrected. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They showed up to embalm him and there they found an empty tomb. Next slide. This is a Roman tomb, and uh, characteristic of the day, it was dug up, and it's it's probably a lot like the tomb that Jesus was buried in, so you can see how the stone there is round, and it takes a few men to roll the stone over the tomb, and they get there, and the stone had been rolled away from the tomb, and they have no idea what's happening. In verse 4, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. I just love what the angel said. I'm going to say it again. This is so cool. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. This was significant. This is what the prophets had spoke about. From Moses on, they all spoke about the Christ, the Messiah, coming, dying for our sins and one day being risen from the dead. But they were a little dull and they didn't catch on when Jesus was telling them about it. The next slide we see here, the best rendition I could find of the two angels. Maybe their robes don't look like lightning in this picture, but they're bright. With the two women there and the angels are proclaiming to them, He is risen. Jesus was resurrected. Jesus was transformed. We can be transformed. And ultimately, we can be resurrected. What about us can be transformed? Well, our lives can be transformed. We can be born again. Our hopes can be transformed. We can get our hopes back. Our dreams can be transformed that we one time long ago stopped dreaming about. And everything about us can be new. Do you believe that? That's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? In Romans chapter 6, it talks about it. In verse 4, it says, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism. Into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, that we too may live a new life. Transformation. 
If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. When we're baptized into Christ, when we proclaim Jesus is Lord and surrender our lives to His Lordship, we go down into the water and say, no longer is Tony Lord, Jesus is Lord. When we understand it, when we've really surrendered and repented and our lives changed, we go down and, and, and we get identified. We're immersed into and identified with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And when we come up, we come up to a new life. Not only are we forgiven of sins, but we change. We actually can change. If we've been enslaved to impurity or to greed or to anger or to drunkenness or to drugs, we can change. If we've been oppressed by our family situation or by abuse, we can change. We're transformed. Not only are we forgiven and we have the hope of heaven, but our lives are changed. The resurrection is significant. If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. I want to tell you some stories of transformation and resurrection in the month of April. But i got to set this up. In the month of March, we in the campus ministry... Uh, my name's Tony, by the way. I work in the Westside Church... The ministry staff there, and I work with the campus ministry. And in the month of March, we, we, had a, we had a prayer and fasting chain. Where every day somebody or a couple people would fast and pray for the harvest. For Matthew 9, that we wanted to see a harvest in the campus ministry, and we wanted to be the workers that God called us to be. We had a lot of people studying the Bible, but we wanted a harvest. It's great when people study the Bible, but we wanted to see transformation. It's fantastic when people are learning about God, but we wanted to see people baptized. So it was so cool on April 13th. Next slide. On April 13th, we go down to Playa del Rey. That was a camera phone, so forgive the picture. And this guy, Ty James, was transformed. Ty James is a rugby player at UCLA. Kenny Azuchuku standing next to him, uh, met him in the dining hall at Deneb at UCLA. And they started talking. And Kenny told him he was a Christian. And Kai said, you know what? I need to, I need to find a church here. Because he, ch- he was going to church back in Poway. And he studied the Bible. And Ty, right before he was baptized, proclaimed, Jesus is Lord. And he was baptized in the waves of Playa del Rey. And the water was a little cold. For those guys, not me, of course. His sins were forgiven. And he's a changed man. Next slide. This is uh, the next Wednesday night, Shadira Izuchuku. Um On my notes, I have a date there. I guess they didn't make it on this. April 20th, Shadira, um, the Izuchukus are disciples in the church. And um, Shadira is the oldest. Kenny's a disciple. And uh, Kenny's younger brother is a disciple. And Shadira had, uh, has been considering not being a disciple for some time. And God moved in her heart in the last couple of months and she, she decided she was going to follow Jesus. And she turned herself in. And so with about a hundred people in the Newman's garage, in a heated baptistry, she was baptized into Christ. Proclaiming Jesus as Lord. Her sins were forgiven and her life is being changed. She has so much zeal. 
We have a girl up there named Zyra who's just the most zealous girl ever. And now Zyra has got uh, Shadera on her hands to contend with for zeal. But Shadera and Zyra basically try to take charge of everything. And I let them, you know, sometimes, but sometimes they don't. On Friday night, we had youth ministry night. Next slide. And uh, these three guys shared, uh, we shared about them in our youth ministry night. And uh, Kendall on the left, Kendall Partee from UCLA, he's on the volleyball team with Kenny. Um, he made his confession that Jesus is Lord and was baptized. In the middle, there's Matt Mendoza. He's an engineering student. He's at SMC, planning to go to UCLA. He made his confession that Jesus is Lord and he was baptized. On the right is Zach Stiegler. Zach's on the track team at SMC, studying engineering, going to go to UCLA. And he made his confession that Jesus is Lord and was baptized. It was so cool the way God set it up. Next slide. They all decided individually. It wasn't a baptism ceremony. It was all of them decided that this was their night. Individually. It was so cool because on Friday night, once a month, we have youth ministry night. And so all the families are there. And uh, Kendall's parents, you'll see him over there on the, left, on the right-hand side. There's Doug Partee and his, wife, and his wife, I forget her name. Doug played volleyball for UCLA about 20 years ago. He was on the Olympic team and won a gold and bronze medal on the Olympics. And they came up from San Diego to, to, to pick him up for Easter, but also to see his baptism. And they got to come to our youth ministry night and fellowship with all the, the marrieds and the, and the teens and the preteens. It was such an encouragement for them to see the family of our church. Our church is so awesome. And then on the left there is Zach's mom. Her name's Lisa. She's a professional comedian. And she was there as well. And she basically, after hearing the sharing, she's like, and they've been church hopping. She's saying, this is amazing. I've never seen so much love in my life. She's saying, you're going to be seeing more of us. But the way God worked that out for the families to come to the baptism on our youth ministry night, and it wasn't like somebody said, that was great planning, Tony. And I'm like, that wasn't my planning. That was totally God answering our prayers. And I'm so grateful for these three guys that were baptized into Christ. And you know, when, we, uh, when people get transformed, there is a ripple effect on their family and friends. Transformation is not just for Jesus. Transformation is for us. When we give our lives to Christ, not only are we forgiven, not only do we re- receive the Holy Spirit, not only do we become part of a huge family the church, but our lives are changed Our families are changed. Our friends can be changed. Our lives can have an incredible impact. Uh, Next slide. Right now what we're going to do is we're going to look at a video of some people, and a lot of them you'll know, that are real people that have had real transformations. After the video, I'll come back and close on out. But this is a great video. Please give your attention to the video and and the things that these brothers and sisters have to share. great that Jesus was transformed, but when you see it can be for us. It's completely another story. Um, I want to finish today um, kind of walking through Luke 24 together. If you guys have your Bibles, um, the scriptures aren't going to be up on the screen anymore, so you could actually look onto the pages in the old-fashioned way. In verse 6, in Luke 24, it says, He's not here, He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. Be crucified on the third day and be raised again. Then they remembered his words. You know, they had heard from Jesus about the prophecies. He told them what was going to happen over and over again. And yet they were still slow of heart to believe. And when Jesus died on the cross... 
we need to understand, we see it as a very powerful thing and that we can be forgiven because of it. And we see his resurrection as, of course, Jesus was resurrected. But if you were living in those days and you were following Jesus and you saw the person you were following be arrested, tortured, and crucified, you would have thought there was a big mistake. There was a travesty. What happened? This was my Lord. This was my Savior. And they were very discouraged because they had put their hope in Jesus and they thought Jesus had failed them. To the Jews, to those that had followed Jesus and to those that were thinking about following Jesus, they thought that Jesus going to the cross was a mistake. And the first time that they hear that it's not a mistake was when the angels proclaimed to them, Hey, don't you remember Jesus foretold these days? This had to happen. In verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. It was really cool, the, the little video at the introduction about the, the apostles scratching their heads. They didn't believe it. It seemed like non- Jesus raised from the dead. That's nonsense. The angels had told the women that this was foretold. And now the women were telling the apostles, Jesus rose again. We saw the apostles. They told us this was what was prophesied. It's true. He rose from the dead. And they thought it was nonsense. They wouldn't believe the women. Kind of crazy. Verse 12. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and went away. He went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Well, wait a minute. Jesus had foretold these days. The women saw it. They heard from the angels who said these days were foretold. And Peter goes and sees himself that the, the, the stone is rolled away. The linens are lying there. Jesus is gone. And yet he's wondering to himself what has happened. He's been resurrected. He's alive. And we're like, Peter, can't you see? But I want you to understand that these men and women were very discouraged. They felt like their supposed Savior, the supposed Christ, the supposed Messiah had let them down. The resurrection of Jesus is significant. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. They were seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and had discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces were downcast. Can you imagine? Jesus himself comes up. They don't recognize him. He says, what are you guys talking about? They're bummed. Turns out one of these guys is Peter, who just saw Jesus not in the tomb. And Peter is still bummed. That's today's vernacular. He asked them, what are you discussing 
as you walk along the road. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know these things that have happened in these days? What things, he asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. But they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who had said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they did not say. So they're telling the story about Jesus to Jesus. They're sharing their testimony with Jesus. Isn't that cool? Jesus is probably just thinking, this is so cool. I'm going to take it. I'm going to DVR this thing. And when they get to heaven, we're going to show this over and over and over again. Verse 36. I'm sorry, where am I? I'm lost. 35? 25. There you go. Thanks. You guys got my back. He said to them, how foolish you are. And how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord is risen. He, appeared to, he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. There's so much in this verse that we can relate to. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe. Isn't that us? I can totally relate to that verse. Maybe you can't. But in my life... I've been foolish so many times. So slow of heart to believe. And it encourages me that the apostles were like me. Isn't it, good, isn't it nice to look at verses and realize the apostles were knuckleheads just like you? Hey, wait a minute, did Tony just call me a knucklehead? I did. I wasn't just talking to Mark. I was talking to everybody. We all can be knuckleheads. He opens up, the, he talks about the scriptures from Moses, the prophets, and he talks about the prophecies about Jesus. And then he says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little further. And they're saying, well, why don't you come eat with us? I don't know why he was saying I'm going to go further. Maybe he was testing whether they'd be hospitable or not. I'm sure he fully intended to go and eat with them. 
but he acted like he was going further. And I don't know why, but we can ask him when we get to heaven. And then he sits down and he breaks the bread and he gives thanks, probably just like he did on the Last Supper. And then all of a sudden they're like, deja vu. This just happened three days ago. This is Jesus and their eyes were open and they're about to be blown away and boom, he's gone. He just disappears. It was evening when they ate dinner, right? And then it says immediately they went to tell the rest of the apostles who were in Jerusalem seven miles away. So these guys, and they didn't have cars, Vespas, mopeds, nothing. They walked seven miles in the dark to Jerusalem. And when they get to Jerusalem, the apostles and those with them are still awake. And they tell them the story about how they had seen Jesus and how the women were right and how he's been resurrected. And they were all fired up together. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and blood as I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. While they still did not believe it because of the joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? That really humanizes him, right? He's saying, touch me, I'm not a ghost. See the holes here. See the holes in my feet. Touch me, see I'm flesh. And then he's like, guys, I'm hungry. What do you got in the fridge? You know, you open... well, they don't have a fridge, do they? <laughs> but you know how it is when a good friend comes to your house? Head straight for the fridge. That's what I love about the Wingy's house. You'll go to their house, just open up the fridge. You know, what are... they always got good stuff in there. You ever eaten at the Wingy's house? You should invite yourselves over sometime. <laughs> They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. The fact that Jesus physically raised from the dead is significant. It wasn't just an image of Jesus. It wasn't a mistake. It really happened. You know, the Muslims don't believe it was real. They believe it was an illusion. The Mormons don't believe this is real. This is real. Jesus physically died on the cross. He died. For our sins. And he physically resurrected from the dead. And he ate fish. <laughs> we, we were fortunate enough to go to Jerusalem and, um, you know, go to the, the Sea of Galilee and see that. And they had uncovered one of the boats from the, from the time period. And it was really big. It was about as big as the stage and kind of wide. It, actually longer than the stage. It was just a big kayak. Just a huge kayak, you know. So they were kayak fishing way back then. So what we're doing today isn't, isn't new, but the, just so you know, the, those guys didn't tip over their boat. <laughs> Steve said, you know I'm getting up after you, right? I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> he said this to them. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what, was, what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to, send you to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. He was talking with them 
and telling them about the, the Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Earlier it says as he was talking about the scriptures that their hearts burned within him as he was talking about the scriptures. And here it says he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. For those of you that are disciples, do you remember the day that your mind was opened? You know, the Bible says God grants people repentance unto life. The Bible says that our salvation in Romans 5 is a gift, but also our faith is a gift of God. The fact that you have faith and the fact that you can believe in God is because God opened your mind so you could understand the scriptures. If you haven't yet really had your mind open to the scriptures, you can have your mind open to the scriptures. He says, you know what? Stay in the city, you're going to be clothed with power. And that's in Acts chapter 2, you can read about it. I don't have time to go there today. But the cool thing is, is that repentance change and forgiveness is going to be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem, even in the South Bay of Los Angeles. Repentance change. You can change forgiveness. You can be forgiven is going to be preached all over the world beginning at Jerusalem. That's transformation, isn't it? Repentance. It's a good word. It's not a bad word. You can change. If you're visiting with us, you probably have things in your life that you are sure that you cannot change. Things that when you were a kid you said you would never do. And now you're doing them. And then you said, I'm never going to do this again, and you did it again. And then pretty soon you were enslaved to the thing you said you would never do, and the thing you said you'd never do again. Now you can't stop doing it. You can change. Not only that, you can be forgiven of it. You can change it and be forgiven of it. Now that's transformation. That's Easter. That's resurrection. Not just the Jesus. That's resurrection of you. That's resurrection of me. That's so encouraging. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was still blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Finally! They decide to worship Him. Finally, they decide to get joyful. He's sitting there and He's risen from the dead. They see Him. They see the holes. He's eating fish with them. They're having a barbecue. They're still not joyful. Finally, He raises hands. He blesses them. He takes up into heaven on some cosmic elevator. And they start worshiping and they start getting joyful. These guys were slow of heart to believe, just like we can be. Just like I was. Just like you were. Just like the, you might still be. The resurrection is significant. Without the resurrection, there's no forgiveness. Without the resurrection, there is no heaven. That means when we die, we won't be resurrected to be with God forever. But the resurrection did happen. Jesus really died for our sins. He was resurrected to a new life. And that promise is when we come in contact with Him and we're immersed into Him and identified with Him, when we say, Jesus Lord, and we're baptized, we are resurrected. We are transformed. We're raised to a new life. If you've been a disciple a while and you forgot how awesome it is to have a new life, rejoice in your new life. Continue the transformation process. Work together with God. If you're visiting with us, you can have a new life. You can change. No, I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Yes, you can. And my life 
I was full of selfishness. I ski raced, I surfed, I chased after girls, and all I cared about was ski racing and surfing and chasing after girls. I had no relationships that worked. My parents were divorced. My aunts and uncles were divorced. My oldest sister was divorced. I had no hope of marriage. I had no hope of a lasting relationship. I had no hope of overcoming my slavery to impurity and immorality and selfishness. And I go home at night and think I was so arrogant. I can't believe I was like that. But I had no power to change. And I'd go out and I'd be immoral and I'd say, I didn't want to do that. And I'd go home and I'd wake up in the morning. How come I did that again? I said I wasn't going to do that again. And I was enslaved. Can I change? And I prayed. Finally, one day, I decided to take it to God. I'd been to churches. I'd said many prayers in churches. You know, I thought I'd been saved many, many times. But I'd never really studied the Bible. I'd never had the word burn in my heart. I'd never had my eyes open to the scriptures, so I prayed. I was in Morro Bay, designing a house. I was an architecture major. And I, I prayed to God, God, if there's really people out there living, I was reading the book of John, if there's people living like this, show them to me. If there are, I'll follow you. I'll give up everything and follow you. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. If there's not, let me know so I can travel the world, surf waves, ski mountains, and chase girls. The next day, I ran into a disciple. I prayed. I went to God. And I don't know where you're at today. Whether you're a disciple that's stuck, go to God. Whether you're visiting us for the first time, take it to God. Let's look at a couple lessons from the resurrection. Lesson number one. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus was not a mistake. It was God's plan. It was prophesied in the scripture. Number two, the words of Jesus will burn in our hearts. We should read them. Our hearts are slow to understand, but Jesus' words are crucial for a change of heart. In 1985, I went into a jacuzzi in San Diego. I was going to San Diego State and I was baptized into Christ. Soon after, I met Marco, another fired up young disciple. Number three, Jesus will open up our minds to understand the scriptures we should ask him to. And repentance and, and forgiveness is available for everybody. I don't know, you know, who you are. I don't know everybody here today. But I know that repentance, change, and forgiveness is available for you. In Luke chapter 11, and verse 9, this is true for everybody. This is Jesus talking. He says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Transformation is available for everybody. I, I think at, we as disciples that want to see our friends or family or, or people who are studying the Bible become Christians... This is for us. We need to ask God. I believe the reason that God's opening the floodgates and the campus ministry in the West is because we went to God. We spent 30 days fasting and praying. Now, nobody fasted for 30 days. Everybody just took a day. But God is opening up the floodgates. There's another girl getting baptized on Wednesday night. Lots more people studying the Bible. God's awesome. But we ask God, and, and I want to call all of you that are studying the Bible or thinking about studying the Bible... Ask God to open your hearts. 
Ask God to make, this, make the scriptures clear to you. I was reading John. I was 23 years old, 22 maybe. And I was saying, God, help me understand this. And if you open the Bible and say, God, help me understand this, God will do it. The word will burn in your heart. He'll open your mind. Take away from today things that I want us to think about. We all can be transformed. Amen? Transformation is available for all of you. For everybody. Here's how you can get it. Here's how you can access it. Get into the Scriptures with someone who can help you. Someone that maybe that brought you. Someone that you know knows the Scriptures. Maybe your small group leader. Get into the Scriptures. Say, hey, let's study the Bible together. And get into the Scriptures together and, and, and talk about it so you can understand it. Then pray for an open mind and understanding of the Scriptures. Ask, seek, knock. When you study, pray, and when you go home at night, write out the Scriptures. Read them again. Pray. God, open my mind. Open my heart. If you call on God, He will be found by you. The promise of change, repentance, and forgiveness, transformation is for everybody. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you've been a disciple a while and you're stuck. You still can be transformed. Whether you're just coming to this church and you've been here just a few weeks, you can be transformed. If you're new and you're thinking, you know, if you guys really knew me, you wouldn't even want me here. You can be transformed. Transformation is for everybody. There's one point to today's lesson. It's transformation. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for loving us. For giving us such an incredible planet with beautiful sunrises and sunsets. An incredible variety of plants and animals and flowers and fish and birds and just incredible things that just delight our eyes. With food that just uh, is such a joy to our senses. Thank you for Easter and just to remember that Jesus rose from the dead. Thank you that He died for our sins. Thank you for this time when we can take the Lord's Supper. To remember the bread, His body that was broken for us. To remember the blood that was spilled so we can be forgiven. But ultimately today to remember the resurrection. That we can have transformed lives. That we can be forgiven. That we can change. God, give us hope today. Help us leave here refreshed. I pray as we take the, the, the communion that we will make a decision to follow You more closely. If we're not yet disciples, God, I pray that we make decisions as we take the bread and the cup that we are going to follow you. God, open our minds to your scriptures as we read them. Transform our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for dying that we could be forgiven, that we could be transformed. We pray all these things through his name. Amen.